is should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. We're bringing back morning basketball talk to the game. Bro, what are you talking about, man? From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, the game presents cool, man. Rip City Wake and Take. That's cute, man. That's cute. Now your hosts, alongside Jay Gliss, here's Alex Moore. Y'all put it in the front page, back page, middle page, wherever. Headliners, column one or two, we will win game two. We will win game two. That's our man, Rashid Wallace, right there. Saying it in the best way possible. We will win game two. Blazers, Warriors, game two is Wednesday at 7.30. Of course, the Blazers fall to the Warriors in game one, 121 to 109. And... We'll, we'll, of course, talk about that game, but I think mostly the topic of today's podcast is going to be what needs to change for the Blazers to win Game 2 after their Game 1 performance. Of course, this is the Rip City Wake and Take. Alex Moore co-hosting it with Jay Gliss. Gliss, we both got a chance to watch this game, Game 1, and it kind of went about how we expected it to and how we talked about it in our preview of the game beforehand that the Blazers could stick with the Warriors for... A long, they stuck with them for a long time, but in the end, ultimately, they didn't have enough gas without, of course, their center, Yusuf Nurkic. And before we jump into this game two talk, game, uh, Yusuf Nurkic has been ruled out, was ruled out today for game two. He will not be playing. Do you think that with Yusuf Nurkic, uh, like with Yusuf Nurkic in game one, that is a completely different game, right? I mean, it seems like the Blazers were missing. That third option, that third player, that third scorer in that game. And me and Gliss were talking about this before the show. Dame and CJ brought it, but we expect them to bring it. And they needed that third scorer, and they didn't get it. And Yusuf Nurkic could have been that player. But Gliss, uh, quickly, before we go move on to Game 2 and the prospects for Game 2, Game 1, where was the third scorer? What happened in this game? And if there was a third scorer, did the Blazers maybe not win the game, but give themselves a chance to win the game in the final couple minutes. I think by the lack of kind of contributions from the other guys on the roster, not named Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum, they they kind of lost. uh, Yeah, they didn't really have a third guy. And you got to think if Nurkic was healthy, then yeah, that guy takes up so much space. He changes the way the defense has to play against CJ and Dame. Probably would open it up even more for those guys. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, it's, I think the thing that you have to be disappointed with just as a Blazer fan, I, well, f- first of all, I should say, I, I think most Blazer fans are realistic. You're going against, you know, a team that most people think you have no shot against. And if you're being with honest with yourself, you know, I think even as a Blazer fan, you realize they're probably not going to win this series, but. I was pretty happy with the effort. In you game have one. to be encouraged yeah. with the effort. They stuck with them for three quarters, and it really was uh, Golden State's defense. They just amped it up in the in the final twelve minutes. Yeah. that made a big difference. But um, the thing that I w- would say I'm disappointed with is the fact that you didn't really get any big contributions from anyone else uh, in terms of the role players. The one guy that I thought uh, really brought it in terms of energy was Evan Turner. We kind of talked about that a little bit before the show. He looked like he was ready to go. Like, you know, he looked like a guy that had played in big games before. 
Um, he didn't I, look nervous when he was exactly. out there, which is like all he the didn't other look intimidated. Players. And yeah, and where I with some of the other guys saw a little bit of uh, you know hesitation yeah. on, on shots. Uh, sometimes a little rushed. It, they just didn't look comfortable out there. Okay, so game two tomorrow night. Obviously, we already came out with the news. Yusuf Nurkic is has been ruled out. But there is another little tidbit as far as the injury news goes. Kevin Durant is listed as questionable with a calf strain. So so is and, uh, Sean Livingston so and Sean Matt Livingston. Barnes as well. Yes, exactly. So three, three Warriors are listed as questionable. So who knows what's going to happen there. Durant really was the killer on the offensive side of the ball. It seemed like every time... Quietly, too. It quietly, yeah. It was kind of odd. Like, yeah. it didn't seem like he was... Well, that's was, kind of how he scores with the Warriors, too. Is. Because you've got all these big-time shooters and scores that when Durant scores, it, it isn't the same as when he was scoring with the Thunder. And that's... And, I mean, that point, that really highlights the biggest difference between these two teams. Yeah. You had your two guys that you know are going to be ready for the challenge uh, really show up. The problem is... You know, when you look at the Blazers roster, you're looking the guys that you're looking at next are Alan Crabb and you know Aminu. Yeah. If you're looking at the Warriors roster, you got Clay Thompson and you've got Draymond Green in your back pocket. Those are, I mean, your quote unquote role players. Even though those guys are all star caliber players. And the thing was too, Curry and Thompson didn't play that well. No, they were especially Clay. I would say Clay didn't play that well. Curry wasn't spectacular in any way. Durant was incredible. Every time the Warriors needed a basket, he was going to get it. Yeah. And Draymond was out of this world. Yeah, Fantastic game, fantastic game. And I think that is what I am going to mostly hit on in this podcast is as far as what is most important for the Blazers in Game 2 is the Draymond Green problem. Because you can kind of survive all the other stuff that happened. Yeah, Durant's getting a lot of baskets and he scores 30-plus in the game. And... His baskets were more timely than anything as well. He was really, these really momentum-building baskets. And I would say that about Curry as well. Sure. You know, he he didn't have a great game, uh, but he kind of got his in terms of points. It always seems like when he scores, it's a momentum-building basket. Exactly. He got a lot of big shots that kind of, uh, you know, changed the tide of the game. But on the other side of the ball, it was all Draymond. He was making all these incredible plays that were switching up how things were going as far as momentum was. And it's not only even this game one that was so frustrating for me watching it. It was last year, too. The same thing happened in the Blazers-Warriors series last year. For some reason, the Blazers keep wanting to attack Draymond in the paint, where there's been so many lessons learned about what happens when you attack Draymond Green in the paint. It does not end well. And there were there's two highlight blocks in this game, of course, that everyone made a huge deal about, as they should, because they were wonderful defensive plays by Draymond. But it's the Lillard dunk and the Vonley dunk attempts, and Draymond blocked both of them. Now, the Vonley dunk happened on a fast break. So Vonley, I can't really blame him for that. But still, at the same time, I don't know what the scouting report is on attacking Draymond at the rim, but maybe the best idea for Blazers is kick it out for a three, even if it's a two-on-one. Don't attack Draymond at the rim. And then Lillard with the kind of... Lillard always does this. He had like two, maybe two dunk attempts in this game. One I think he missed, and that that one was uh, was blocked by Draymond. But I'm just so sick and tired of seeing them attack Draymond at the rim. Draymond is basically being allowed this kind of Kobe Bryant role defensively that we saw a few years ago in that Lakers-Celtics series where Kobe would guard Rondo, and then he wouldn't guard Rondo. He would just run all around to wherever he felt he was necessarily needed on the defensive side. Draymond's been doing that 
the whole time, every time the Blazers have played the Warriors, every single time you see Draymond leave his guy to go help and attack the rim or to go help defend the rim. And it happened again. Multiple times. I don't know how many blocks Draymond had in this game. He had a huge amount. And it wasn't even about necessarily what his number was, but the the effect he had on the defensive side. The Blazers need to learn that attacking Draymond at the rim is legitimately not an option anymore. There needs to be either a shorter game as far as floaters, pull-up jumpers, and things of that nature, or you attack the rim when Draymond's not in the game, or you make him pay for not guarding someone. So whoever he's not guarding, whether it's Mo Harkless, Al Farouk Aminu, Alan Crabb, I don't know who it was he's been who was guarding the whole game. I know he was guarding Chief a lot, and you know he w- but he would just move around. It didn't even wasn't necessarily he wasn't set on one guy, but whoever the guy he's supposed to be guarding needs to make him pay, and it needs to be in the form of an open three, or it needs to be in another drive where the Warriors' defense gets caught off guard now, because letting him roam is not the way that this. Blazers offense is going to succeed, especially when he's stuffing guy after guy at the rim when the guy he's supposed to be guarding is who knows where because I've never seen the pass be made to the guy who was open. And if it is, like we said earlier in this podcast, that person hesitates or doesn't react in the proper way. So that's that's my whole thing watching this game. It was just frustrating to see them attack Draymond and attack Draymond where the guy wins each time. He wins each time. So there needs to be some sort of idea something set in the Blazers scouting report before the game where okay this is where Draymond is going on the defensive side of the ball this is how we need to attack it and make him pay for leaving people open yeah and I mean if you're gonna do that (laughs) those guys are gonna need to knock down some shots yeah I know and that's a lot that's easier said than done and you know I will say that like I somewhat disagree with you in the sense that I I did I like the Damian Lillard uh attempt just because he was having a good game and he is the leader of the team and I like the decisiveness of him challenging okay and if you and not only that but I think that that play was just a spectacular defensive play Draymond Green was way in the corner Uh, I don't know who he was guarding at the time but as soon as he saw Lillard take off I mean he was three steps to the basket and he went up and challenged him um, so I get so I'm going to give Draymond credit on that one. That was just a great defensive yeah. play, and it you know it's why he's a candidate for defensive player of the year he because win he's it, a, absolutely and, and and he is I mean one of his calling cards on defense is he's a great help defender, mm-hmm. and I I think on that one in particular I liked Dame's aggressiveness and I like the uh, but you have to give Draymond credit for the fact that. He really just, his instincts took over in that one. Yeah. And Damian Lillard, I mean, he really didn't have a chance. He didn't see it coming but, almost. But you can be aggressive, and it doesn't mean you got to pack it over him. There's other ways that Dame could have finished that or I would passed agree it with off that. as yeah. well. I would agree with and that. And the, the fact is, and I think he would watch. probably do that. I think if yeah. he, uh, I think if he had to do that play over, he'd probably be trying to get some contact, and yeah. he probably would get a call on that. It seems like every highlight I've watched from this game, you can see that Draymond isn't underneath the rim when he's challenging shots at the rim. He's no. starting from somewhere completely momentum. different, yeah. and he's running over. Even the Vonley block on the fast break, Draymond had been guarding the ball yeah. and then ran over to block Vonley. Like, there's, he's moving all around, and I feel there is a way to make them pay for it. There has to be. And it's happened 
every single time, like I said earlier, it happened in the last series too, whether it was Plumley last year, who's kept getting challenged at the rim and he kept putting up these little eight footers where he was where Draymond's both his hands were in his face and Plumley would clank it off the rim. So there there has to be some way to solve this. Now, I'm not exactly sure what it is, because especially it doesn't help when your guys aren't hitting from beyond the arc. Right. And it, like that's said, the biggest that's, that's, that's the, the big solution right there. Is that's those the guys, solution. Those guys need to be able to step up and hit those shots with confidence. And I think that Damon CJ, I mean, they I think they know that. I mean, Lillard kind of talked about it about the game. He didn't call anybody out, but he, you know, said, Look, we're gonna need you know, other guys on the team to, to step, step up. up. Yeah. Terry Stotts kind of echoed that sentiment and Charles Barkley even commented it on, uh, after the game on inside the NBA saying, you know, that's just not good enough. Yeah. And, and that's really what it comes down to because I think that they'll have a better sense of how to attack dream on green, uh, from the offensive side when they play tomorrow night, because I think they will be kind of looking uh, for when he does leave his guy, and hopefully those guys can be prepared to make those shots. Yeah, I mean, that's what you gotta hope for, and maybe even it's maybe it's not about Chief hitting an open three, or maybe it's about him making the right pass after that to catch the Warriors' defense um, out of place or out of rotation sure. because Moving now because Dr- now Draymond isn't where he's supposed to be. So maybe there needs to be a lot of ball movement when. And I just think there needs to be a lot more thought process being put into attacking the rim. A lot more. Um, because this guy's getting... Guy got five blocks in this game. And, five blocks, and he's... How tall is he? He's like 6'9". Like, yeah. And, come on. And and so, I mean, you want to go back to the Nurkic factor. That's another True. place where they really miss him. Because True. if Nurkic is, is playing right now, then Draymond Green, a lot of times he he's able to guard centers, and yeah. that's going to be a tough matchup for him because Nurkic is not any pushover. I mean, he's a big dude, um, so that's you know yet another area where they really miss Nurkic and why they had so much su- success the last two months of the season because they're a completely different team with them on the floor. Yeah, absolutely, and he would help take up space where Draymond would be going in to block these shots, you'd have a big seven-footer in He'd there. He'd be forced to kind of s- to stay in an area yeah. you know, it, when when JaVel McGee or Zaza are not in the game. And it's like, I, I feel like Steve Kerr is kind of piecing those guys in there um, as needed because both teams really played smaller lineups, and, which was, you know, why it was a very entertaining basketball game. But, um, you know, Nurkic just totally changes the whole complexion of the game because then you have that true post guy inside that makes the Warriors react. And so, I mean, that definitely also stands out from game one, the the fact that, you know, they don't have a center right now. They're going to have to play a small ball without him him in there. Exactly. And and it's not easy to hang with the Warriors when you're playing small ball because no, those guys are not, those better guys are than anybody. Best. Yeah. Now, what we have tomorrow, game two, we don't know necessarily how Dame and CJ are going to react to having these big games in game one. My kind of worry with game two now is that the Warriors adjust to a big games from Dame and CJ. And then you're not sure exactly where you're going to get all your points from because who knows how the defensive, um, their defensive plan is going to be focused in on Dame and CJ for game two. And really the only reason the Blazers were in it was because of their heroic efforts on the offensive side of the ball. So 
what I guess we I mean this is kind of the thing that we've been talking about all along what needs to happen now maybe maybe it needs to happen from Damon CJ but how do Damon CJ need to react to the Warriors defense in this one to continue to put up big numbers and to stick with the Warriors offensive power I agree with you. I think that, you know, the Warriors are going to now, I mean, the, the NBA playoffs is all about adjustments game to game. Sure. And I do think that the Warriors will try to really focus in on Damon CJ to limit them because, you know, that's like the one weakness that they really had in that game defensively was letting those guys get off. And maybe that was the plan all along. Um, but, I mean, if you're Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, you just all you can do is you got to keep the pressure on. You're the two best players. This is the big time you're playing a team yeah. that's been to the NBA Finals two straight times, won an NBA championship. They have to keep the pressure on. And you know, all again coming back to the fact if they aren't getting good looks, I don't want to see them force anything. Yeah, but they have to be able to trust in their teammates, and those guys need to step up and. I would say this. I do. I think Damon CJ will score a combined seventy-five points again. It's not likely, <laughs> but I could see one of them getting off and having a big game again, yeah, exactly. and one of them still putting up some numbers. Now, at, at that point, you're going to need one of these guys, whether it's Aminu uh, slashing to the hoop, as you talked about when Draymond's out of place, getting you know easy buckets, backdoor, whatever, or uh, Alan Crabb, when he has open looks at a three-point shot, he's going to need to knock those down. So, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Yep. You have to... Those guys need to keep attacking. They need to keep the pressure on Golden State's defense. And I trust that they're going to react and make, make the right decisions and trust in their teammates, but those guys got to make shots. Seeing CJ go off in the first half was really encouraging. Yeah, 27 and, points. Yeah, he 27 was lighting in it up, the man. first half. He was lighting it up, and it was like, okay, he really came to play. He was really locked in. And, I mean, he still scored in the second half, too, after the Warriors had halftime to adjust to him, too. So that's kind of promising for the next game is maybe they don't really have an answer on how to guard CJ and how to guard Dame because it's probably pretty hard to guard both, I imagine. When right. I mean, I think they started off with Thompson on Lillard and Curry on CJ, and that obviously didn't work out for them. So who knows how? Not the, only that, I mean, they they actually made a switch. I mean, uh, yeah. they did put Clay on CJ once he was so hot in yep. the first quarter, mm -hmm. and he was still lighting up Clay Thompson, who's you know kind of their defensive stopper. So um, yeah, I, I mean, I think those guys are big time players, and I expect them to continue to have big games in some sense, whether they're you know, scoring 30 or scoring, you know, 20 points and putting up some more assists. But again, that's going to come back to other guys contributing as well. Crab to inbound baseline right. Needs an outlet. Throws to McCollum. A right corner three for the lead. He got it. And the Blazers have their first lead of the contest. McCollum now with 19 points, his third three. And it's 37-36 Portland. 8-20 left second quarter. At this point, I'm all excited. I got a little smirk on my face. I'm like, yeah. That's right. I knew this was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen, you know? <laughs> and CJ's going off, and, you know, CJ's my guy, and he's he was playing pretty much exactly how I expected him to. He had so much confidence off his jump shot in that game. Every time he was putting it up, it looked so good. He finally, like, missed one late in the second quarter. It was like, whoa, that one didn't go in. 
kind of thing. So CJ was great. I've learned to be uh, to be ca- cautiously optimistic as a as a sports fan. Yeah, know? that's like, true. I I loved where they were at, and I was loving loving the basketball they were playing the entire game. But yeah. again, Warriors are are no joke, and uh, for them to hang in there, yeah. It was it was fun to watch, but you know you got to play the full forty eight minutes. Okay, and so this kind of brings me into part two of Absolutely. my what the Blazers need to do to improve <laughs> in game two. The Draymond problem was problem number one or part number one of what issues they need to solve. On the plus side, he did not kick anybody in the nuts. Yeah, uh, so that's good. That is true. That is true. All Blazers are okay as far as their parenting futures. Although it would be right now, it, we could maybe use <laughs> yeah. a little swing or something to, to <laughs> exactly. maybe then he'll miss game three. Who exactly. knows? That could Who help. Knows? That, might, that might help too. But part two has to do with the fourth quarter. It's happened and I'm going to say it again. It's happened last year in the playoffs as well. The Blazers were able to stick with the Warriors until a certain point. Now, you got you to gotta figure out what's going on in the fourth quarter. And I know that it comes down to the Warriors are locked in. That's when they're playing Absolutely. their best basketball. That's why their basketball team is so good. Because it's the biggest difference. On the defensive side in the fourth quarter, there's, they're out of this world. On the offensive side, they can get any basket they want. So the fact of the matter is... One, you got to figure out how to score on that defense because if you're not scoring and you're the Blazers, you're not in the game because we know what the Blazers' defense is. And you need to live heavily off of any stop you get. Any turnover you get, you need to convert it because it becomes so much more important in the fourth quarter when the Warriors are so locked in. But again, that I that's, I think, one of the biggest things that they the Blazers have to figure out what to do. And... I think this has to do with Terry Stotts a little bit. That first lineup you have when the fourth quarter starts and you don't necessarily have both Dame and CJ in because he he comes back with one of them to come in the fourth. That lineup is crucial to how the Blazers can set up the rest of the game. Now, if they're starting to fall behind, you can feel it. It's like six points, then it goes to eight, yeah. then it's 11 all of a sudden. And against that Warriors, yeah, it's like almost, that, feel, you know, six like points. 30. Yeah, six points feels it's like honestly, 12 points. It's honestly like twice as much as it actually is. And that was the thing, like even the commentators were saying towards the end of the game, oh, this game feels a lot closer, you know, than the actual score was when they were down 10, 13 points. And it did, but at the same time, it felt a lot farther because there's no way to come back from that. So the fourth quarter needs to be figured out. Yeah, we know. We know the Blazers can stick with the Warriors for three quarters. We know they can stick with them for about 40 minutes. How do you stick with the Warriors for that final eight minutes? Gliss, I know this is a really difficult question, but do you have any (laughs) ideas on how the Blazers can solve this issue? It's just toughness, man. I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. The reason those guys are able to take it up a level is not because they have great players on offense. Everybody knows that. They have guys that can go get buckets. Damon CJ can do that to an extent, but it's hard when you're playing against a defense that gets that locked in as a cohesive unit. Yeah. And that's, to me, the biggest difference. And that's why I said, you know, I, I was telling you, I said to my brother before the game, I think they got about 40 minutes to compete with these guys. Yep. But that's the problem. When you get to that point, they're able to take it to another level. And I think there's a couple guys on the roster that can do that for the Blazers, yep. but it doesn't go you know, person for person. Uh, guys like Alan Crabb, I'm sorry, like, yeah, I, I have liked how he's played most of the season, but you can't just 
you know, be the guy that's going to sit in the corner waiting for the ball to come to you and when you're playing against the Warriors in a yeah, playoff series. You got to bring it yourself. You got to you got to we need to see more aggressiveness. They need to you know, really attack them a yeah. little bit. And and I'm not saying like you were talking about earlier where they're going up to try to dunk over Draymond Green, which isn't going to happen. I'm talking about just Making them react more mm-hmm. uh, when you get into those late game situations because that's the thing. If you're able to put some pressure on them, the Warriors are susceptible to turning the ball over too. I mean, we saw what happened to them last year in the NBA Finals. Granted, Cleveland is also, you know, one of the best teams in the league. But if you put some pressure on them and you're able to stick with them, there is some room for error there. Yeah, they can't play that happy-go-lucky style that Absolutely. they're always used yeah. to. Here's Lillard talking a little bit about toughness after game one. I think the, the league has softened up a lot, and it's not like that. So you got to have a, a rough guy like him out there. I think it's necessary, and I think their team, they depend on him uh, to be that dog out there and to be that person. Of course, the him in this is Draymond Green. Lillard's referring to Draymond. There's a lot being made about uh, constant trash talk being thrown around in this game, which is nice, and... Uh, I loved it. Yeah, I loved it too. But I also kind of saw it negatively in a way because it kind of seemed like this faux toughness for the Blazers. Like, oh, we're we're tr- we're talking trash back too. Like CJ's telling Draymond they needs to do calf raises, which is hilarious. Yeah, it was so funny after Draymond Green misses a dunk, McCollum tells him he needs to do calf raises. Great, I <laughs> laughed so hard when I saw that. But at the same time, it's like okay. That's how CJ. That's how CJ is. CJ yeah. shows his toughness by getting edge. to the bucket yeah. and scoring and hitting threes and hitting big shots. And then he gives he sends a little you know jibe every once in a while. He he likes to he likes to poke fun at you every once in a while. And that's how he shows his toughness. Now where is the other t- where's the toughness from the rest of the Blazers in the fourth quarter? And how do they continue it? And how do they not let Draymond completely dominate them as far as this toughness element of basketball? You have to have other guys step up. You have to have other guys. That's why Draymond is the other guy. Yeah. You know. Now it kind of seems like he shouldn't be when he's having these kind of performances in games where he's totally dominating them and it's showing up on the stat sheet, but not in the ways that we're kind of used to as basketball fans. He doesn't care what he does. He's yeah. going to do something. Exactly. That's the thing. Like he affects the game Absolutely. in some way, and that's what they. That's what the Blazers need from someone. Now it seems like Vonleh would be that guy. And but he's a little bit young and maybe hasn't stepped in that role yet where he can he can completely I don't dominate trust, a game. Trust by him too much when. He, but that's yeah. why it becomes a team effort. The team needs to be tough. They need to take punches because the Warriors and that crowd are extremely loud and will punch you in the face. But they need to take punches from them and answer back with good basketball where they're not going to stand down to this team because it looks like when the Warriors are all completely locked in, the Blazers are almost like. Eh, yeah, we fought for Feels three like quarters. We tried, yeah. but it was like, how many points did they score in the fourth in that game? Maybe like twelve. Yeah, in game one, that cannot happen. That cannot happen at all because that is not how you're going to give yourself a chance, and that's not toughness. Showing up, not showing up in the fourth quarter, that is not how you act tough. And yeah, and that's how you lose in the NBA playoffs. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's what the playoffs is all about. Is you can stick with the team for you know forty minutes, but when it comes down to it. It's the team that really takes it to the other team yeah. that is usually going to end up on top. And, you know, three guys that, you know, I I think uh, CJ is, uh, he does play with an edge. You know, yeah. I, I trust him. When he's trash talking, 
I believe he believes what he's coming out, what's coming out of his mouth. Yeah, and I'm all right with that. Same thing with Damian Lillard. I don't see him backing down to anyone. Yeah, Evan Turner, I'll even give the benefit of the doubt because I think he is one of those guys. Like he's not going to be afraid of you. He's going to keep playing and he's going to play hard and he's going to get fired up. He likes to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, and I like that. He even said after the game, you know, they asked him about uh, the trash talking with Draymond because him and Draymond got, in, got into it a couple times, and he said it was no big deal. It's just. You know, he enjoys it, and it's part of the game, game, but he didn't think it was anything out of the ordinary. Yeah. They need a couple more guys like that. They need some guys like Vonley to step up Aminu. They need those guys to really play with that edge because, I mean, part of that is confidence. And if if you have that, that's a big edge. And maybe when you have an open three-point shot or you have an open lane to take it to the hoop, then... You know that's going to translate into confidence, and and, and that's going to work out in their favor. Blazers scored twenty one in the fourth, by the way, so I underestimated them by quite a bit. But there was a certain point in the fourth quarter where the Blazers had about ten points or so, and they get outscored thirty three to twenty one in the fourth. Yeah, I was whereas say, every I, other quarter was within four points. I think it started out like fourteen to two or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and that's just, I mean it was really the first. And that's what couple I talked about with that lineup. That, yeah. li- that first lineup that comes in really needs to set the tone that says, "Hey, we're not going to give in to this." You know, we know that the Warriors are. The, one of the best teams in the league, if not the best team in the league, especially when it comes to the fourth quarter and finishing games. But, hey, we know as fans that the Blazers can play with this team. They did it through this many quarters. That's one more quarter that you have to do it. you got to step up and you got to show it now. And it comes from everything we've talked about in this podcast. It comes from those players in the, the background roles, the role players who need to step up and hit shots not they don't have to do anything out of the ordinary. You just gotta hit the open shot when the ball comes to you, and you gotta make a play when the ball when Dame or CJ aren't able to. And not be afraid, man. Exactly. I, and not I, be afraid. I hate to single guys out, but man, Myers Leonard, I <laughs> I, I gotta say, man, I cringed every uh, time he was on the court. The guy looked lost. He yeah. looked like he had just walked onto a basketball court for the first time. And every time he touched the ball, it seemed like something bad was going to happen. Myers. And I mean, Aminu, even to an extent as well, he didn't play a very confident game either. Yeah. Uh, so those two guys, I think, really hurt the Blazers when uh, by the time they got late in the game because it was like they had a couple guys there that were willing to fight. But you get as you just alluded to a couple minutes ago, you gotta. It has to be as a unit. It yep. has to be. Every guy on the floor be ready to step up and take a shot or make a play when it comes to them. And that's why Draymond Green is such a badass. Because yeah. as much as I don't like the guy, he is the guy you want to have. He is like their Rashid Wallace. He's a jerk. Yeah. But you want him on your team because he's a winner. And anytime he has an opportunity to make a play or impact the game, it doesn't matter in what statistical category it's in. He's going to go ahead and do it. Y'all put it in the front page, back page, middle page, wherever. Headliners, column one or two, we will win game two. We will win game two. Rashid Wallace says it best, ladies and gentlemen. Game two, Wednesday, tomorrow. Warriors lead the series 1-0. Blazers have a chance to even it up. 7.30 p.m. That game's on TNT. You can also catch it on local networks on KGW. Of course, 
If you want to hear any coverage before the game, leading up to the game, what's going to happen in the game, tune into 1029, 750 the game. We'll be talking about it all day tomorrow on our local pro- programming. I'm sure, Gliss, you guys got some plans to talk about on the We'll BFT be talking tomorrow. NBA all week. Yeah, yeah of course. Sure. There you go. There you go. So game two is tomorrow. Don't miss it. This has been the Rip City Wake and Take Playoffs Edition. Our first edition of the show in the middle of the playoffs. We've done a preview show. Now we're in the middle of the series, so this is the best time for us. This is the most stuff that we have to talk about. We had a fired up show today, Gliss. So Hopefully they can keep it going so yeah. we can keep it going. We can going. keep it going, exactly. <laughs> Blazers, we need you so we can keep this show We're bringing our high game. energy, man. <laughs> we need this high energy for more than just this show, but we'll be doing a lot more with the Blazers in the Warriors series. Maybe later this week we'll get back to you, of course, with the series being this as it is. We've come out at different times, so we'll keep you up to date on what the schedule's going to be at the Rip City Wake and Take, but we're going to try to do preview shows, recap shows of all these games. Um, Game three will be the first game in Portland of this series. That'll be on Saturday night, so that's going to be a fun one, a Saturday night game, and it's going to be a good one as well. So maybe Yusuf Darkich will be back. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not gonna. We're not. We're not gonna talk about that. <laughs> but who knows what could happen once the series comes back to Portland? Especially if uh, maybe something you don't expect happens in Game Two. But whatever happens, we'll be here to talk about it. It's the Rip City Wake and Take. Catch us on SoundCloud, iTunes, f- the Facebook page, our 1029 The Game Facebook page, where we post it every time we do a show. And stay woke till Game Two.